0: Hey everybody, my name is Kyla, welcome to my channel where we talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to talk about the Vibe Session. So the Federal Reserve had their meeting yesterday and Jerome Powell came out and said, hey listen, you know, the Fed staff doesn't see a recession coming. We're looking at this economic data and we're saying, hey, uh, no longer, no longer are we forecasting a recession. And I wrote about the vibe session about a year ago, this idea that there was a temporary vibe decline even though the economic data was okay. And that was coming from a lot of different sources, so real wages being stagnant, gas prices being relatively high, and of course like news media being like, you should be feeling really bad, look at all the terrible stuff that is happening. But Jerome Powell came on yesterday and he said that they're no longer seeing a recession and the announcement came with a series of jeers on twitter for people from people being like oh my god we've been in a recession since the beginning of time and i'm going to talk about that ideology a little bit because i do think there's some validity to it um but jerome powell himself is like listen we're going to vibe check the economy here again in eight weeks we're going to remain really data dependent the overall thesis is that things are looking relatively okay. Growth is moderate, not modest. Inflation is cooling. The labor market is humming along. Real GDP, we got that today, came in stellar at a 2.4% annualized growth rate. And Powell himself even highlighted the vibes. He said, I would say that having headline inflation move down that much will strengthen the broad sense that the public has that inflation is coming down, which will in turn, we hope, help inflation continue to move down. So, of course, there's this idea of rational inattention, where if people stop paying attention to inflation, inflation will ultimately end up kind of going down, because inflation is somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy, because if people expect inflation, then companies have room to raise prices, and then also just sort of bakes itself into the economy. Uh, There's a lot of research around this, and it's bizarre, and that is why the economy is based on vibes. But the vibes continue to improve. Vibes are clear in both consumer sentiment and real wages. So, real wages in the United States are up 6%, whereas in Europe they're actually going down. And it's pretty good for the United States, as Aaron Doob wrote, real wages for most American workers, uh, which is equal to about 80%, so this is substantial, are not only higher than they were prior to the pandemic, but they're about what they would have been if the pandemic never happened. And, you know, I mean, people spent enough on Taylor Swift tickets that she influenced the direction that the economy ended up taking. A soft landing is the base case for most investors, and people are feeling pretty much decent. And we seemingly skirted a recession, so we seemingly avoided a big downturn due to a combination of mostly big fiscal. So the Employee America team has done so much good work on this and they've been beating the storm really heavily with all the different research papers that they put out. And JP Morgan actually released a note saying that, basically the same thing, the IRA, the IIGA, and the CHIPS Act, you know, the government spending money has been a floor to the economy because they've encouraged people to hire, they've encouraged capital investment, they've encouraged all this growth within the economy just because they were like, hey, listen and we're a government, part of our job is to spend money, so we're gonna do that. And this is from the Wall Street Journal. The $700 billion in subsidies and investment that the Biden administration has mobilized through the Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS Act has unleashed a string of plant projects related to semiconductors, electric vehicles, and renewable energy. Spending on manufacturing construction was up a whopping 77% in May from a year earlier. So we have that. We have all this support from big fiscal. And then we also have companies issuing debt at low rates. So Tracy Alloway wrote a really good paper about this. And basically, companies were able to lock in super low borrowing rates super low rates on the debt that they were borrowing, similar to many homeowners who have very low rates on their mortgages, and so they're golden, even as the Fed raises rates, because the debt loads that they have are not really going to be impacted by how quickly the Fed has raised rates over the past year. Net interest payments are no problem to these corporations. Interest payments are a problem to the Fed, and a lot of companies are insulated from the Federal Reserve themselves. And just as a flag on doomerism, Stephen Kelly shared this really cool chart, one of my favorite charts of all time, the lost returns up from listening to esteemed perennial doomsayers. And it shows that um, if you're always thinking that things are going to be very, very bad, uh, you're going to do very, very bad. I feel like I come on here a lot and I'm like, hey, listen, the economy is good. You should be feeling all right, buddy. And it was only recently that I was like, I sort of was like, oh, okay." I get that the economic data is good, but there's a lot of real pain points in the economy and the vibes are not perfect. You know, student loan payments are starting back up, which could feel like a 5% pay cut for people who do have those. And also the economy, as we know, is really bifurcated. So there's drops in Medicaid enrollment, rising hunger and maybe even rising homelessness, as Jeff Stein reports. So we have the haves and the have-nots, and that gap is only widening. And housing is still a nightmare. As Rick Palacios Jr. highlights, there are 86.1 million homes in the United States and only 1 million for sale, which is very low. There's also 600,000 more realtors than there are homes for sale. So that's not good either. And then someone with a 3K monthly budget could have bought a a 510K home about a year ago and now can really only get a 450K home with today's rates. So home ownership is still really far away. And I feel like housing is just one of the biggest problems that we have because people are like, well, I really need somewhere stable to live. I really kind of want to live in a house. I kind of want to live in like a nice apartment. And I don't want to pay 50% of my income towards rent. And so I feel like until we get housing sorted out, there's going to be some, some weird vibes in the economy and rightly so. So then workers are going on strike, which is important. I am all for workers' rights. We are a big fan of that here but definitely puts pressure on the economy and Noam Schreiber wrote this article underscoring the changing face of the economy. So he was writing about the writer strikes that are going on and how the writer's room in different TV series and different movie productions has been fractured into lower paying degraded pieces. So no longer is it one job doing all the big responsibilities. It's kind of a bunch of little jobs doing all these little responsibilities. And that of course ruins the payload and makes things difficult. Diane Swonk of KPNG highlights more pressure points, brace for a sharper slowdown in spending over the summer and fall as tighter credit conditions collide with the crimp from the end of student loan forbearance and tighter credit conditions. Rejection rates for vehicle loans hit a record high in recent months and have have become increasingly unaffordable, which is an understatement. Rejections for other types of loans are close to a record high. And I guess on a personal note, I've been kind of struggling with describing the economy. Um, You know, I've written on doomers and the cold nostalgia and how Gen Z relates to work. And we seem to get caught in these infinite loops of bad thing, bad thing, bad thing. And it's hard because it's nuanced, right? It's really difficult to be like, eh, economy, because it doesn't always feel that way. And that's the hard part about economics, some aspects of economics, is that it really is based on vibes. And I know that I got dragged to the ends of the earth for creating the vibe session thesis last year. But it's true, like how people feel really impacts how the economy works because if you think about consumer sentiment that drives consumer spending, consumer spending is 70% of GDP, GDP is the economy. And so I think that like it's just super difficult to pinpoint how a person is feeling because as we all know, people are irrational, people are weird, people are feeling weird sometimes, like I mean for the past couple days I've been feeling weird. And that impacts how I see the world. It's just like, it's all these funny things about like, how do you describe the human condition? And I don't know how to do it. And I think it was No Opinion who said, you know, we can spend all day sort of philosophizing on why something happened, but we ultimately need to move forward. And I agree with that, but I'm gonna <laughs> philosophize a little bit. So there are a few reasons why I think the vibes have been off. And I've written about these and other pieces, but there's abstractions. So there's people around the blurry vision bias and how people talk in these big, grand, sweeping gestures uh, and how that doesn't really work. Like if you have your CEO being like, we're all doing this for the betterment of humanity. It's like, well, okay, sure. But like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean to you? We have a lot of a- random AI rappers proclaiming big things, but you know, what's the vision? What's the goal? And as Ethan Mullick wrote, a paper on how to do it takes this title from an, uh, a fuck roll story where JFK they met a NASA janitor late at night. JFK, why are you working so late? Janitor, because I'm not mopping floors, I'm putting a man on the moon. And we seem to be missing that national goal these days where people feel aligned towards some sort of meaning. I feel like we have lost the sauce with that and it's totally understandable. And then there's vanity. So this is something I noticed quite a bit, a lot of people think that the world should be built around their every need, and it's not, like there are 8 billion other people here, uh, you're not that important, as Midwest elitist wrote on Twitter. We are long past the time when people can walk past a book, magazine, or show and say that's not for me and move on. Not everything needs to cater to your worldview. The belief that it does is the greatest form of vanity in America right now people like to have things served to them and only them, and that's just not how the world works. And you're going to get your feelings hurt if you think that is how the world works. Like if you have an expectation that you're gonna go somewhere and things are gonna be perfectly set up just for you and you alone, and they're not, once you ultimately get there, you're gonna feel bad. It's like, It's chronic individualism, it's it's metaphorical wars, all that good. So Albert Camus said, The aim of art, the aim of life, can only be to increase the sum of freedom and responsibility to be found in every man in the world. It cannot, under any circumstances, be to reduce or suppress that freedom, even temporarily. No great work has ever been based on hatred and contempt. On the contrary, there is not a single true work of art that has not in the end added to the inner freedom of each person who has known and loved it. And I think that there's a lot of self-limiting behavior that transfers over to broader pain points. There's another tweet on Twitter, Ronan wrote, Imagine never doing anything athletic just because you think you won't make it to the Olympics. That's most people's relationship to making art. And I'm going to go off into a woo-woo land for a second, but I promise I have a point. Uh, I truly think that people oftentimes don't have a physical or emotional outlet and the vibes get kind of trapped there. You know, I was once told by an art teacher that I was really bad at painting and I never picked up a paintbrush again. And I circled this point a lot and I recognized, you know, it's abstract. (laughs) So I'm kind of doing exactly what I said isn't good. But I think that in order to encourage a true vibe change, a shift in this vibe supply, we need to find ways to tell better stories, especially on a fiscal level. You know, how is restoring helping people? Why is Bionomics a banger? Really get into the narrative and encourage people to follow their passions, even if it is murky, and like help people find their passions. Because I feel like that's just a thing where it's like, well, I, I'm not going to make money doing this thing, so why would I explore it? And I just feel like the sense of curiosity needs, and I've written about this before too, but the sense of curiosity needs to be encouraged. Overall, despite the winding nature of this video, it seems like we're on the other side of a vibe session and hopefully have screwed it a recession session entirely. And this poem doesn't have an archy, overarching thematic into the piece, but I think it's really beautiful. Uh, so it's by Ron, and it's called Negative Space. My dad taught me to pack, lay out everything, put half back, roll things that roll, wrinkle-prone things on top of cotton things, then pants, waist to him, nooks and crannies for socks, belts around the sides like snakes, plastic over that, add shoes, wear heavy stuff on the plane. We started when I was little. I'd roll up socks, and then he'd pretend to put me in the suitcase, and we'd laugh. Some guys bond with their dads shooting coops or talking about Chevrolets. We did it over luggage. By the time I was 12, if he was busy, I'd pack for him. Mom tried, but didn't have the knack. He'd get somewhere, open a suitcase, and text me, perfect. That one word from him meant a lot. The funeral was terrible. Him laid out in that big carton and me crying and thinking, look at all that wasted space. Oh, I don't know why that one, that one just like is so beautiful, but... Thanks for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. And I'll talk to you all soon.